have waterproof mascara and waterproof eyeliner, we can keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, the other one is, I'm sure I'm going to say um and humble for my Bible a few times because that's just what happens when we do this. But, but mostly I want to tell you that I'm here to share with you through the story of Ruth how God, um, just an example of how to persevere in life storms when they come um, and the hope that's at the end. And I will tell you, just to spoil the whole story, that it ends like that first song begun. It ends at the cross. Like, to lead us to the cross, that is where this all ends. And so so we are going to start in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth. We are going to end um, in, a, in a glorious promise of salvation that God offers us. Okay. So we're going to open. If you have your Bibles, will you do me a favor and open it to the book of Ruth? Um, and that is... <laughs> I forgot that was there. Okay. That's not my phone, but it looks just like it. Um, and I'm going to set the timer so I don't talk too long and respect your time this morning. And um, put my glasses on. No, none of you ever see me in, so I can actually read the small print in my Bible. Um, so if you don't know where the book of Ruth is, it's in the Old Testament. And it is a tiny little book. It's like two pages in your Bible, after Judges and before Samuel. So if you don't see it, it's because you blinked and go back. Back there. Um, I cheated and marked mine this morning because I knew it was coming. Um, and, and as we go about and talk through this this morning, the other thing I have to find are my notes. They're scribbled in here somewhere. Um, we, um, I, I'm just going to give you an overview. I, I think some of you know the story of Ruth, but I don't want to assume you do. Okay, so, so Ruth takes place in the Old Testament in a time when judges ruled the land of Israel and they struggled a lot with things. Um, disobedience, famine, all sorts of things came along. Um, and, and this really is the story of Ruth and, and um, this really is the story of Naomi, the mother, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And as I share that story, I'm going to share with you my own story of um, myself and my daughter, Bella, who's um, going to be 13 next month. And I tried to get her to come here, but if you've ever tried to get a 13-year-old out of bed on a Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, basically got greeted by, like, a small hamster that squeaked at me and said, get off of my stuffed animal. And that was how that, was how that ended this morning. And I wasn't going to make her come. But, um, but I will share with you some of how God... And sort of the storm she created in my life, but also um, how God used her. So here we go. We are going to go back to Ruth, and, and, and I'm just going to tell you that we're going to talk about who the people are. They're important. We're going to kind of skim over the people that are there, but not that important. Um, but the story starts with Ruth and her husband, Elimelech. I'm sorry, not Ruth. i got to stop saying that. With Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. And they lived in the land of Judah, but there was a famine, right? So they didn't have food. So they left and went to the land of Moab, where they found food, where they had two sons. And those sons grew up and found two wives, and they married Moabite women. And then the storm hits. Elimelech dies, and Naomi's widowed. But she has two sons, so she's still provided for, but her two sons die. And so then there are three women in a time when women had no property and no money and no way to get there. And they are left, essentially, without a home, without food, without provision. And, um, and Naomi realizes that there is now food back in her land, back in the land of Judah, and she should go back there, and she should bring her daughters. And so that's about where we'll start. <sighs> and so with her two daughters, she left the place where she had been living, and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And so here goes Naomi with Ruth. And um, her other daughter-in-law, whose name was Orpha, and I always want to say Oprah when I read it because I just switched those letters, but don't do it. It's Orpha. Or Orpha, however you say it. 
And so she, but Naomi said to them, you know what, go back. Go back to your mothers. Go back there. You don't have to come with me. There's nothing for you. Go back. And they said, no, 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 we're going to go with you. Right? And Naomi says to them, this is my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the Bible. She says, go home, daughters. Why? Why would you come with me? I'm not going to have more sons. Who could become your husbands? Return home. She says, I'm too old. Even if I could bear, even if I could get married, even if I could have a son, you wouldn't wait for them. I'm too old. And here it comes. She says, would you remain, would, would you remain married to wait for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. In this moment, Naomi's response to this storm is one of woeful pity, bitterness. I call it the empathy seeker. <laughs> Naomi just, ah, woe is me. Later on, she even says these words, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty God has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? For the Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So this is Naomi's response to the storm. It is not pretty. It is not faithful. And yet she makes the Bible. So don't worry. We all do it. <laughs> this is what she does, though. Naomi gets bitter. And I will tell you that in that, we get to hear and see our first kind of principle in persevering in the storm. And honestly, you guys, it's to remember. It's to remember what God has done. Because Naomi forgot. She didn't walk away full. She didn't leave Judah full. She left in a famine. She fled a place that was desolate, and God provided. She forgot that in this moment, you guys. And I will tell you that it is our human nature to forget. We forget what God did. And we need stones of remembrance. We need them. Sometimes they come in the form of people. Sometimes they come in the form of a note or a letter or a physical thing. I have one that's in the form of a physical scar on my body, but it is a stone of remembrance. And I will tell you that I need to remember this. And I do. I have, a, I have a beautiful little girl who is now 12, almost 13, and she is a stone of remembrance in my life. And that makes me proud. And she probably needs to hear that from me more. But I was in my first year of marriage, in my first year of medical school, and I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> um, I... Got, went into my marriage, never um, really knowing if I would get pregnant. My husband and I both, as children, had medical problems. And the doctors told both of our parents, when we were quite young, that it probably compromised our ability to ever ever be parent, ever, you know, biologically have our own children. And so we got married knowing that about each other in our lives. And we're like, well, we'll just move forward. It's okay. We lived with that for a long time. It wasn't new. But here I am, missed a birth control pill, pregnant. First year of medical school, first year of marriage. And I remember, remember, I remember the night so well when I had to call my parents. Because I felt like a teenager who had to call my parents and tell them I was pregnant. <laughs> like, oops. <laughs> By the way, you got me this far in life, and I just put a huge obstacle in my path. But you know what? My parents are wonderful and gracious. Thank God was gracious. Because in that same phone call, the first person I actually called was my sister. Because, right, you call your sister before you call your mom. Um, called my sister, who laughed and said, her husband, 
come here, you have to hear this. <laughs> and I let him, some of you know my sister Arlene and her husband Joel, and he, he was on the other end of the phone, and she goes, tell him too. And I said, we're pregnant? And they said, well, so are we. Aww. And um, today we have two little girls that are two weeks apart. Aww. And it's pretty precious. Um, and that's just a part of God's goodness and all of um, But anyway, but as we get back to Naomi and Ruth, I want you to remember to remember. There you go. That's hard to do, but we need, we need people and things in our life that do. Um, if we look, we looked at we looked at Naomi's response, initial response at least, and then we get to see the response of um, of Orpah. And and when Naomi gives her whole sob story about being bitter and God is against her, she says, "Okay, I'll go back to my parents." And she kisses Naomi goodbye, and she leaves. And she exits the storm. And you guys know, lots of times we have that option in life, to exit a storm. And it doesn't mean it's always bad. I don't think what Oprah did here was bad, but we don't know anything else about her. Um, she, didn't, she didn't make the rest of the Bible. Um, she just went home. And there, there are times in, in life that we can exit. I'm looking at huge exits. I'm not so funny to say that. Um, but there are times in life we exit storms. And times in life we're not supposed to. Um, and and that, that is between you and God. And it's not for anyone else to judge. Um, I, I, I had a choice in many ways. I could have exited my storm of having this baby that I wasn't ready for. I could have dropped out of school. I could have, there were lots of things. Um, but, I, but we just held on to all of them. And God, God is faithful in that. Um, and then I love this, because then you get to see Ruth's response, right? And this is why this book is named Ruth and not Naomi, by the way. It's, it's, it's in my mind. It is for this right here. If you go to Ruth. Um, chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth replies to Naomi, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. For where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. For may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. That's quite a covenant. That is a marriage covenant. Mm-hmm. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Let nothing separate us but death. That is a covenant that, that Ruth chose to take with Naomi in the storm. And, and she embraced it. You guys, she embraced it not because it was easy, but because she had a faith in a God who somehow she learned about through Naomi, through Naomi's son. She learned about a God. And she chose to embrace it and trust in that God. And that is really who she's trusting in here. When she says, let the Lord deal with me ever so severely, it is God she's trusting in. Not Naomi. Naomi has nothing to give her. She's trusting in God. And so that is our other choice, right? It's to embrace the storm that life offers us and to trust the God who promises to never be us. And that is what she does. And, I, and God blesses her ever so amazingly through this. But it's hard sometimes to embrace it's hard, but, some, but, but we're going to learn how she does it. Because when people tell you, like, go for it, you think, I don't know what to do next. Great. Like, yes, I can say out loud I'm going to do it, but what do I do next? And so we're going to walk through what Naomi did next and learn some things from her because they really are applicable to our life today. Okay. So they get back to Judah, and what, is Ruth, and what does Ruth do next? She decides she should probably feed them. That's what she does. She goes to basics, you guys. She's like, well, I should probably find us some food. 
And so the only way for her to do that was to go glean in the fields of a, um, of a, a, of a harvester. And, um, and so basically what that means is there's people harvesting a field. You know, today we picture big like turbines that harvest a field, but then you picture people picking up um, you know, stocks of wheat or whatever, barley or whatever they're picking. And, and as they do, they drop things and leave them behind or they don't pick at the edges of the field. And people are allowed, as the custom of the day, to go and, and take what's dropped and left behind. And so, so Ruth goes to a field of a man named Boaz and she starts collecting things. And the people there let her and, and, and she starts to gather food. And she works hard. I can tell you she works hard. Because when Boaz shows up and asks who this is, if you go to verse, this is chapter 2. If you go to chapter 2, verse 6, um, Boaz is asked, who is this woman? And in chapter 6, they say, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Um, she said, please let us glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she went into the field, and she has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. She came and she did what was next, you guys. She did the basics. She provided food. And she worked hard. Right? She didn't ask. She, she appropriately asked to do what she needed to do, and she worked hard to do it. Um, sometimes next steps are hard, but sometimes it is the basics. And I will tell you that when I had a baby in the middle of a finals week of a medical school year, I had to go back to my basics, right? I just got up every morning and ate breakfast and fed a baby and went to class wearing a baby, wrapped around me, somewhat like a Moabite woman would have done. And I studied, and I came home, and I ate lunch, and I studied, and I fed a baby, and that's what I did. Everyone asked me how I got through med school. <laughs> that's it, right there. I got up, and I went to school, and I fed a baby, and I fed myself, and I studied, and I did it over and over again. And we do that. We do those things because that's what's next, and that's how we persevere, you guys. We don't persevere by getting from point A to point Z. We, point, we persevere by stepping one step at a time in front of us. What's next for you? What is the next step you need to take in your life and in your storm? It's a basic, you guys, I promise. It's not usually giant. It's reaching out to a friend for prayer. It's getting a better sleep pattern in your life. It's eating better foods. It's asking for help. It's basics. Put one foot in front of the next. Sometimes it's bigger. Sometimes it's calling a counselor, making an appointment. Sometimes it's quitting a job or starting a new one. But it's not its not a huge jump. God doesn't ask us to do that. God asks us to do the next thing in front of us. His light and his word are a lamp to our feet, to the path. What's next to you? Here's the next thing that Ruth teaches us. Boaz comes to her. And this is his response. He says, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the, where the men are harvesting. And follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whatever you, whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jar. And she says, how do I gain favor? How do you know who I am? And Boaz's reply is this. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you led your father and mother in your homeland, how you left your father and mother in homeland and came to live with the people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth took refuge in God and it was known. How do we know what love is? 
It is laying down our life. Ruth's love for Naomi, her sacrifice was known. It was known by a man named Boaz who had never met her, who couldn't recognize her face, but he knew of her sacrifice and her love. And it is hard in a storm to sacrifice. It is hard in a storm to serve others, but we need to not compromise that. God does not ask us in the midst of a storm to hold tight to ourselves. He does not ask us to forget those around us. He asks us to continue to do what's right by him. I kind of put this in the world of integrity. Ruth had integrity in and of how she walked. She had enough integrity that her reputation went before her, and and that reputation serves her well, because with it she gains protection and provision through through the lens. I would tell you that as I walked through medical school with that little girl, it took some moments of integrity (laughs) to keep doing what was right. But it somehow built a reputation, you guys, and this is not to boast of me, but of the Lord. Um, The storms continue to come in my life, and that's another day and another story. But as they did... I was known at that point by professors, by deans and deacons of my medical school. I was known by people so that when those storms came and I had to go ask for help, they said, okay, how can we help you? What do you need? I, I, did, not, um, I did not know how those years would play out when, they were, when I was looking into them, right? But, but, I, but it got all the way to the place where somebody offered me a job before I was done with medical school, to do something that was right in the midst of God's hand for my family in that moment. And that job didn't come because somebody had pity on me. That job came because I had built, I had walked in a way that people saw a character and a trait that they wanted, and they asked me to come in and pass it on to others. God, that's God. That's just God. Medical students don't get offered faculty positions to teach at medical school out of med school. That's not what happens. But God did that for us, for our family, because we need that. But he used, he used how we walked through being a family in medical school to get there. And we desperately needed that job at that time. <laughs> let me be honest. That was not a, like, when we could let it go. We desperately needed that to be the answer for our life. But I didn't even know that answer existed until it came that way. So walk with integrity in your storm. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. There are shortcuts, you guys. There are. The world offers many of them. Life hacks, YouTube. So many shortcuts, don't do it. Go the right way, walk upright. It is the way to go and God honors that. It is hard, it is harder to do the right thing. It is harder, but do it. Naomi does it, Ruth does it. They go back and they did the right thing and they're known for it and they're blessed for it. There's another piece to this that's really important in in what Ruth does here. Boaz offers her protection. He offers her provision. He sends her home from this day with a FF, I don't even want to say it, of, of barley. Do you guys know what that is? It's like 36 liters of barley she leaves with. She carries home such a big thing that you know, she gets home and he goes, where did you go today? What did you do? She's like a Costco-sized bag of flour when she walks home. <laughs> That's all I can put in her. Like, they got the bag, bag, right? Um, and, and, and when she tells when she tells Naomi that she was in a field of a man named Boaz, Naomi says to her, do not leave his field. 
go back there. You will be safe there, right? She was a foreign woman in a foreign land. She could have been harmed and hurt, but she found God put her really in a place that was safe. Even in the midst of a storm, there was a shelter. And, and Ruth was smart enough to listen to that wise counsel. Ruth was, Ruth was wise enough to say, she knows what she's talking about. I'm going to do what she says. So she did her next steps. She walked with integrity. But she took the advice of someone who knew more than she did. And she stayed in that safe place with Boaz. She stayed all the way to the end of the harvest. I don't know how long. I mean, a season, right? She stayed through the, through the harvest season for barley. So she continued to go back day after day, and she stayed. And I will tell you that sometimes we don't want to listen to wise counsel. Sometimes. Sometimes. All the time. We want to say, I know this is me. I'm an individual. I've got a different story than you. I'm going to turn it out differently than you. You guys, that is a lie. It is a lie from Satan. These principles in this book are true for every one of us. And the wisdom of the women who walk before you, don't. They have learned lessons. Don't do what they did again. Oh, my goodness. Do the right thing. Do listen to what they have to say. They are not speaking to you because they think they're high and mighty and you don't know anything. They're speaking to you because they love you and they want to offer you some protection and some provision that you don't know you need for yourselves. I will tell you about the people who came in my life and protected me through med school. They're the people who I still love so dearly today. Uh, the other reason I made it through med school with a little girl in my life, a little tiny baby, was because I had a... Um, I had a slew of classmates who I had spent the first year sitting next to and studying with and going to the library with and sitting in Starbucks with. But when I had a baby, that group of people shifted their study site from the library and Starbucks to my living room. And so we'd go to class, and I'd leave a little bit earlier than everyone else, and we'd come home and I'd feed a baby, and they would all show up in my living room. And I'd sit in a rocking chair, and I'd feed a baby, and I couldn't even hold a book at that point. And they would teach me what they had learned that day. They would teach me what they learned in a lecture. They would teach me what they heard a professor say about, this is going to be on the test, this is important. They would teach me things like, don't read that chapter, it is not helpful. Okay, I'm not going to, you tell me it's not helpful, I'm not going to spend my time reading it. I didn't have time to do that. They sat on my living room floor for a year, you guys. They would come and sit at my kitchen table and quiz me before tests when I said, I don't know this information, you guys, I can't get it in my head. They sat at my kitchen table and quizzed me and quizzed me and taught me. I needed them. I needed their wisdom. I needed their knowledge. And yes, it's a little different than the direction of someone telling you what to do or not do in life, but I will tell you that I needed their help. And, and it is wise to accept the help of others. Ruth could have said, no, I don't need your help. I don't need your field. I don't need your protection. No, I don't need your harvesters to throw. They were throwing extra grain back at her as they harvested. Boaz told them to throw her extra. No, I don't need your pity. I don't need your hand out. I can do this by myself. Thank goodness Ruth didn't say that. She took their help. It was not easy for me to take my classmates' help at first, you guys. I knew their time was precious. I knew that their grades were important then. And they still came and sat in my living room and studied with me and taught me. To their, in some ways, their own sacrifice, but they would also tell you in many ways to their own benefit, to be honest. They learned a lot when they taught me, and we fed them. <laughs> My home was a home, and they lived in apartments. I mean, there were lots of benefits to both of us, to be honest, but, or to all of us. But, um, but, you know, today they still think of Bella as theirs. It's really sweet. I mean, they've all grown up and had their own kids, and I just saw one of them recently at a meeting, and 
I was like, well, Bella started junior high. And he was like, how did our Bella get to junior high? And I was like, right? Like, how did our baby from those years get to junior high? But she did. And, and they were part of that. And, um, and the day I graduated from med school, pregnant at that point with the second, um, I got handed my diploma and I got to stage and I cried. Because I didn't feel like it was really mine. But I knew that it was God's amazing gift in my life. He has allowed me to walk through something I've never known anyone else to do. No one else. How, how do you do that? God allowed me to walk through med school with this precious baby girl and come out with a diploma that I honestly felt like I had to tear up into 20 pieces and hand out to the other people who really helped me earn it because it wasn't really all mine. And I knew that. I knew it was really it belonged to this, this group, this village that helped raise me and raise her. But it was really God's provision. And God's blessing in the end is that I got, I got what I started out for. I got that degree. I, I didn't start out by sharing much about myself with you guys. I'm a doctor. Did you know that? Okay, you got that part right. I've got three kids now, but I couldn't have told you 13 years ago that I would be standing here today. I couldn't have. I didn't know how I'd get here, but God got me here. And God gets. Ruth and Naomi to a place of victory and blessing too. And the short version of that story that I'm not going to play all the cultural things that happen in is that is that Naomi finally realizes that Boaz is basically their cousin. And that and that they have been living trying to provide for themselves, but they really need a man, a husband, somewhere along to make this happen. And she says to Ruth, Boaz is actually somebody who can redeem us. I love that word. He's a kinsman redeemer. He can redeem us. And so you basically need to go at night and lay at his feet in this sort of seductress, sort of slight way, though, but it's a little bit sticky, right? And ask him to marry you. Ask him to take over the place of your husband and take your husband's land and marry you and provide for you. And Ruth again listens to wise counsel. And she does what Naomi says. And Boaz, God bless him, has so much integrity. And he walks with such conviction about what God calls him to do that he does the right thing, which is to say, cover yourself with a blanket. Stay here till the morning. I have to actually go ask the first person in line if they want to marry you. It's not my place to say yes. And Boaz walks away. And he goes. And let's see what Boaz does, because this is kind of fun. If you go to Ruth, I just like summarize chapter 3, by the way. We're going to skip it. We go to chapter 4, where Boaz, in verse 4, I'm sorry, in verse 2, um, 1 and 2, goes to um, the first man in line, as the kinsman deeper, who should be able to marry Naomi and take that land, and says, come with me, friend. And um, they basically go to the city gate. And Boaz also takes 10 elders from the town. And he says, sit here and listen to this. And they do. I love those 10 people. He, he gets some witnesses to his deal, right? And he tells, he tells um, this man... This kinsman or neighbor, look, you can have all of the land of Elimelech and everything, but you have to marry Ruth. It's part of the deal. And the man says, nope, that's going to compromise my own inheritance and my own family. You do it. And so what does Boaz say? He says, okay, I will do it, but listen that you all witness this. All you elders here. I'm skipping, sorry, if you're trying to read. Um, if you go to verse 9, he says, today you are witnesses that I have brought I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malha. 
I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malhan's wife, our widow, as, his, as my wife, in order to maintain their name of the dead and the property, so that his name will not disappear from among the families or from the town record. Today you are my witnesses. And they reply, we are witnesses. Right? So, so Boaz does something amazing in this storm. What Boaz does is become the guardian of the person in the storm. Right? He doesn't just guard her in the field when she could be harmed and provide food and shelter and water for her, but he guards her, her inheritance, he guards her future and her family because he not only goes, takes the right steps to follow, to make sure that he can marry her, not someone else. He has witnesses that come alongside and, and are there with him. He, he does it right, guys. He does it all above board. And, and I love that about Boaz in this story. I love that Boaz decides to walk right each time he goes. And I love that he didn't choose to be the other people. Do you know who the other people are in the storm? Right? Boaz is a witness in the storm. And I didn't tell you who the other witnesses were. I should go back and show you. But there's a few other people who witnessed the storm. You know how they were? They were really everybody else. Back in chapter 1, in verse 19, when the two women came back to Bethlehem, they arrived in Bethlehem, and the whole town was stirring because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? Who are they? They're the gossips. Right? To, I, okay, totally confess. I am that person sometimes. Right? Somebody's life is falling apart. Can you believe what happened? How about this one? This is the better way to gossip. You really need to pray for so-and-so. This all just went down. We should pray for them. That is actually still gossip, just FYI. It is not prayer. It is not godly. It is still gossip when you do it now. There are gossips. They are not helpful. Their story comes and goes in a line of the Bible, a verse. But Boaz doesn't choose to gossip. He chooses to be your guardian. He chooses to come alongside her and offer her support and protection and do things right. Who do you choose to stand beside you in a storm? Do you choose people of wise counsel? Or do you choose the, dra- the drama queens who bring attention your way but ultimately do you no good? Who are the guardians? Have you set your life up so that when a storm hits, you have guardians already standing beside you? Because I learned that I needed those people. Today in my life, there are intentional friendships some in this room, that people who stand beside me so that when my storm hits, I have wise people of integrity who will walk beside me and help guide me and guard me through that storm. If you do not have a friend like that in your life, you need to get them. They're in this room, I promise you. Who are your guardians? Who are the people that walk behind you in a storm? Walk beside you in a storm and don't cause more uproar and flurry, but walk steadily and honestly. We need to see how the story ends. Right? We know that it ends with Boaz saying, yes, he'll marry Ruth, but it ends even better. This is the best part. It ends with the blessing that Ruth gave Naomi. I'm sorry, that Boaz gave Ruth when he met her. He said, sorry, that's my timer. This is I'm all done with you guys. Um, it won't stop. Um, do you remember when Boaz first met Ruth? He said, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded, the God of Israel under whose wings you've taken refuge. May he reward you. I love it because Boaz blesses himself in that same moment that he blesses Ruth, but he doesn't even know it. Because he marries Ruth and they make love, and the Lord allows her to conceive a son. And that son who she bears, who Naomi then embraces and forgets all of her bitterness and woes, 
right, and blesses and praises the Lord, that son is named Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse, the sheep, the fields, the father of David, who slayed Goliath, who became the king of Israel. Ruth and Boaz just became the great-grandparents to King David. They didn't know that, you guys. They had no idea that they would father the king of Israel and ultimately the savior of the world when they said yes to God, when they walked through that storm. If Ruth had exited that storm, she would not be in this book today. And God would have found another way to bring his savior and his king. But he chose Ruth because she embraced him. And you know what's amazing is she didn't know. She didn't know. She maybe knew that one day there would be a redeemer. She might not have. She wasn't, a, she wasn't raised as a Jew, as an Israelite. But she still followed. She didn't even know what the promise was in store for her. We know what she got. But here's the better part. We know the promise that's in store for us. We, Ruth had all this faith and didn't even know. She didn't know the promise. But you guys, you and I know the promise. We know the promise. The promise is not only a God who never leaves us or forsakes us, who will walk through forms of the promise is a savior that came through Ruth and Boaz and their faithfulness and King David and the line of Jesse, a man, the son of God, who was born as a man and lived a life like all of ours, but perfect and blameless, and then was crucified on a cross and he took all of our sin, all of it, the one you committed yesterday, the one you committed 10 years ago, and the one you're going to commit in two minutes. God took all of that sin and he laid it on his son Jesus and, and he died with our sin on him. And that sin died with him. It is not still alive. Get rid of it. It died on Jesus. And then he rose from the dead and offered us a promise of eternal life and salvation. And so today, know that when you face a storm, no matter what that storm face, no matter what that storm contains, there is a promise of a Savior who forgives all your sin and forgives all the sin done against you. Let's be here, clear here. I do not get to be angry at my husband for what he did yesterday because Jesus died on the cross for my sin too. Got it? It's all gone. All of it. And in that, in that promise, there's eternal life. And it's sometimes hard to decide how eternal life looks today, but eternal life looks like joy unending because you know what? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, I get Jesus in the end. I get heaven in the end. Right? Through the death of a spouse, a child, the loss of a home, the loss of a job, the loss of a parent, the pregnancy of a teen, God knows what I don't want to face in my life as this the daughter of mine keeps going. Whatever happens, I get Jesus in the end, and I get eternity. And so that is why we persevere. And if you don't know enough about who Jesus is to know that you have that eternity, come see me after, because we will talk about it, and I'm happy to explain it to you. But, but that is where we persevere through life storms. It is, it, that is how we look to Jesus. We have, we have a light at the end of our tunnel, or a blue sky at the end of the storm, and it is eternity with Jesus. Ruth had the same light at the end of her tunnel. The only difference is God has shown it to us. He hadn't shown it to Ruth before it happened. She didn't even know it before she died. But God has shown it to us. I'm going to pray for us. You are going to get to, after that, talk in groups. And there are some questions somewhere. Where? Well, they're behind me. Um, about... Remembering, remembering the good, the goodness of God and the storms He's brought you through. About deciding what your next steps are in the storm today. Who are the people who will walk beside you with integrity and wisdom? And and what is the promise ahead? And how do we keep our eyes focused on that?
So if you'll pray with me, we're going to pray for Charlie. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you give us stories like Ruth and Naomi and Boaz to remind us of your faithfulness, to show us how to walk through life today. Thank you that your word is eternal and everlasting and living and applies to our lives today. God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our minds, God, that your word this morning would not um, go out void, but that it would pierce our hearts and change us and help us to continue to move forward. God, thank you that as we persevere, that perseverance develops character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us, Lord Jesus, because that you give us your hope in the form of your Son, Jesus Christ, and you've given us your Holy Spirit, and we are so grateful for that. May we walk in the truth and the light and the knowledge of that today, despite the storms in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So these are just four questions. Um, there are placards with like different discovery groups, so you're welcome to sort of like try and find yours or just turn to someone next to you um, and discuss these. Um, we have about 15 minutes uh, left, so don't feel like you have to answer all of these. Um, we'll be doing um, sort of a follow-up discussion in um, discovery groups uh, in a couple weeks, um, and so. Um, you guys can revisit um, these then too. So, um, and then at 10, I'll bring us back together to sort of close this up because I'm going to have a little time. So, um, anyway, so I hope, yeah. So, discussing. Great. <laughs>